You may recall we started our study in, in Ruth just before Christmas. An untimely beginning, but nonetheless, here we are. Father in heaven, God, even now as we open our Bibles, digital, on paper, whatever it might be, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in a most intimate way through your word, as if this message was meant only for us. Certainly it was. So help us, God, to understand you better and how it is we ought to live our life for your glory and the good of others, we pray in Jesus' name. You ever have your battery die on you? Maybe you're in the store, you come back, and nothing. Click, click, click. And what do you do? You look around and see if there's anybody that would help, right? I mean, maybe you even have jumper cables in your car. Good idea. Get those out of your trunk, get the hood up, you know, and, and start looking at people in the parking lot. Look, all I need you to do is pull in front of my car, pop your hood, I'll take care of the rest. I'm not here to take your money. You know what that's like, right? And you wait. And you see all of these people, there's that giant truck driving by, you know? Surely he could have helped. I couldn't even get up there if I wanted to, you know? And you wait and you hope. But I wonder if you've ever seen one of those people with the hood up and the, the jumper cables and you just keep driving by. You ever been one of those people who saw somebody in need and just kept going? My friends, these things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. In chapter 1 in the book of Ruth, we were introduced to a family, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilion. And this family had fled to, uh, to Moab from Israel because there was a famine in the land. And there was only ever one reason that there was a famine in Israel, and it was because of sin. God had told them. You obey my commandments. You do the things that I tell you to do. Then you will thrive. Not just get by barely and make it. No, you will thrive. But if you disobey me, I will withhold the rain. And it was just one of those things. People, man, it hasn't rained in a while. And all those hearts start sensing conviction. And what to do with it. This family... They left. Well, let's escape this whole thing. Let's run away from what God is doing. Remember, we entitled that sermon, How to Ruin Your Life One Choice at a Time. And it sure seemed that they were just swirling down the drain. Because what happened, you may recall, is uh, while we were, they were there, these two boys found themselves a nice Moab girl, something that God had commanded them not to do. They did it anyway, and then they died, and their dad died, and there's Naomi and these two Moabite girls. And so, of course, to cover this whole debacle, she said, why don't you guys go home to your families now? 
And I'll just go back to Israel. She had heard that there was food again. One of them says, oh, that's a good idea. I can find another husband. But the other, a gal named Ruth, said no. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Now, people reading this could say, well, she sounds desperate. She's not. What she's making is a faith statement. Yahweh, your God, is Yahweh, my God. And so back to they go. And that's where we come to the end of chapter 1. But when we come to chapter 2, we see this, this exceptional event going on here. Because what we see is God showing his grace to Ruth and her family in so many great ways. Buckle up for this one, my friends. It starts to get personal. You see, we see God's grace on display in her life in multiple ways. For example, verse 1, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So there was good people in this family. Sure, they, they may have run away, but a lot of people stayed. Some good people, for example. A guy named Boaz. So Ruth married into this good family. You see, she, she chose a people. And Ruth became a part of good people. Now, you know there is a Latin proverb that says, Providence assists not the idle. Providence does not assist those who are merely idle. In other words, get busy and watch how God works. And that's what Ruth did. Notice here in verse 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go into the field and glean among the ears of grain. After him, note carefully, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Boy, there's an attitude. I'm going to go out there. And I believe there's something special about these people that someone will show me favor. Someone's going to just look out for me. And so Naomi said to her, go, my daughter, get at it. We're hungry. And so here is the providence of God leading her to the right family, to the right people. And here in verse 3, even to the right field, the right place. At the right time. Now my favorite story of that is my roommate just bugging me to no end. Come on, I need to go make some money. Come with me. Well, no, because it starts at midnight and I like to sleep at that time. But he was relentless. And of course, you know the story. I went to work at this place where you're supposed to go through boxes and make sure all the uh, papers, all the boxes were checked. And it was a real simple, monotonous job. But it was there that I met Melanie. Providence. Right place, right people, right time. And that's what's going on here in Ruth's life. She's at the right field now. Look at here in verse 3. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field of the reapers. And she happened. I love that. Surely this was written with a smirk on their face. And it just happened. It was just mere happenstance, my friends. No, there's some gigantic things going on here. 
and we won't see it till the next chapter, but notice just how God is working. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Remember that person who's a righteous man, a good man? Yeah, she just happened to walk into his field. And you won't believe what happened next. He was of the clan of Elimelech. Now that's important, this idea of relative. And we'll see why in just a moment. And so Ruth not only ended up in the right field, she got there at the right time. In verse 4, we see, and behold, there's that word again. You ain't going to believe this. Not only did she end up at the right field, she got there at the right time. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He just returned on a trip right at the right time to find Ruth in his field. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So we see a a good, a peek at a good interaction with his employees, seeking the Lord's blessing in their life. Well, my friends, we not only see God's grace in providentially leading Ruth here in verses 1 to 4, we see God's grace in providing for her. Now, there's some really interesting things that go on in in the Old Testament law looking out for people. Notice in verse 5, we see God's grace in providing for Ruth was already laid out in the Mosaic law. See, here she is, a stranger. She's not from this place. Not only that, she's a widow. And she has no family around. Naomi, who is also a widow. But notice here, friends, the design in God's law. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Anticipating that perhaps she's married. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, well, she's the young Moabite woman. Notice how they knew where she was from. People watch. People are watching you, by the way, too. She's the young Moabite woman who came back from the reap, I'm sorry, came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Then she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And so her expectation was, I'll go out into someone else's field and I'll get food for me. And you might think, there's something not right about that. But the fact is, that is exactly right. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and if you got the fingers for it, you might want to turn there. Deuteronomy 24, 19. Part of the law that God laid out for Israel had something to do with loving their neighbors. You ever hear that one before? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, in verse 19, we read, When you reap your harvest in your field, and forget a sheaf in the field, perhaps it dropped off the wagon, oh, forgot, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow 
that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again and pick every single one. Nope. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. Because it shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I have commanded you to do this. It was built in welfare. Where did the grain come from? Where did all of the growth, where did the bounty come from? Certainly from the Lord. And he says, you're not going to collect it all, and then you're going to bring it into the city and give it away from everyone because these people have dignity. They're going to go out and get it themselves, just like you did. In Leviticus uh, 26, I think it is, 25, 26, one of also the laws that was given is you don't cut the corner of your field. You leave that big section in all of the corners. Guess why? It's for the sojourner and the widow. Yeah. You see, it was designed in God's law that you look out for other people. Yes, all of that hard work, it belongs to you. And you know what? You're going to share it with someone else. That's the point, friends. The grace of God in your life is there. Not just for you to store it up under yourself, but that you would have something to share with someone else. And so God's grace in providing for Ruth was right there in the law of Moses. She wasn't even alive when this thing was put together, and yet there she is, benefiting from the, from the word of God. But also, my friends, it was directed to the people of God. I wonder if you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. You ever heard that story? You have, haven't you? And yet, I'm about to retell it to you, and you're going to go, oh, I didn't know that. You see, somebody came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, what does the law say? Well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, well, go and do likewise. And he said, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told this, this parable. He said there was a man coming down from Jericho. And he was robbed and beaten and stripped and laying at the side of the road. There's a guy in need, yes? This guy's in serious need. And what you fail to do is put yourself in that position and ask yourself this. What would, somebody, what would you want someone to do for you? Along comes the priest. Eh. Probably deserved it. Probably doesn't even have a job. And the Levite, the same thing. I'm not getting involved with that. Mm -mm. I've read about stuff like this. It's a trap. 
And then comes along a Samaritan. Now what you're supposed to think when you hear this is Samaritans, treasonous, rotten, lousy people. But what he did is what you would hope someone would do for you. He cleaned his wounds with oil and bandaged him. He put him on his own mule and took him in to the inn and told the inn, gave the innkeeper money, provide for him, care for him, and whatever you spend, when I come back, I'll give it to you. And you know what you miss there? That's what God expects of us. You're supposed to be the Samaritan. You're supposed to stop when you see a need and meet it. You've got a car with a battery in it. Well, some cars only have batteries in them, it seems, these days. You see the hood up and the guy dangling the jumper cables? Pop your hood. Sit in your car if you must, my friend. Meet the need. That's the expectation. Friends, that's just the entry point. That's the people we ought to be. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Simply ask the question, what would you want someone else to do for you? Should we stop and go home? Just think about that for a while. That's the very basics, my friend. This is not the PhD of Christianity. This is preschool. You may recall the account early on in the book of Genesis about a couple of brothers. Now Cain killed his brother and the Lord came to him. Friends, that's the very opposite of love, by the way. It is taking everything from someone. And you know what Cain said to the Lord? Am, am I my brother's keeper? Yes! You are your brother's keeper. That's the point. If you see it and you have it, then meet it. the point. You want to know what love looks like? That's what it looks like. You want to know what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Go love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Designed right into God's law. You meet the needs of other people. He directed him, designed in God's law, directed to God's people. Hmm. You see, Boaz in verse 8 said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Hmm. She ended up in the right field at the right time with someone who apparently took the word of God seriously. And said, no, you stay here, and I'm going to look out for you. 
because you're a person in need. Do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. He offered her provision. Glean here, protection. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, you go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And you notice he even offered her praise. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? Chesed. Why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me. Nowhere in this book do we have any description of what Ruth looked like, lest you're wondering. Oh, she must have had one of those narrow waists and, you know, it's that big smile and Nothing in here about that at all. You know what he praises her for? Because she looked out for someone else. Look at verse 11. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told, told to me. And how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Tells us something about him and something about her. The things that we value. He valued this, this honorable, self-sacrificing action on Ruth's part. In verse 13, then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And then comes the last gift from Boaz here. After provision and protection and praise, he gives to her a privilege. Verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel into the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. And do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it to her to glean and do not rebuke her. For she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. Grace, my friends. This guy wasn't thinking, you know... If I store this, then what I can do is he saw a need and he met it. He had the ability and he did it. It was the right thing to do. You know, love your neighbor. But here in verses 18 to 23, we see God's grace and his plans through Ruth. 
true Ruth. Notice how she is caring for her mother-in-law. And so she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Ding! Boaz, you don't say. You see, Naomi saw that God was at work here. Because not only was he caring for her mother-in-law through Ruth, the Lord was finding her a husband. Now, you're going to want to go home and read the rest of this here, friends. But I want to give you a little more context here as well as what's going on. So in verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. You probably don't know what that means. You've probably even heard sermons about this, but I'm going to remind you. The concept of kinsman redeemer. We all know what a kinsman is. Kin, we would say. Family. Kinsman redeemer was the nearest blood relation alive. Certain important obligations were entrusted upon him toward his next of kin. In other words, he had some obligations before the Lord on how he would respond to these women. You see, if anyone from poverty was unable to buy back his lost inheritance, it was the duty of the kinsman to redeem it, to buy it back. That's what redeem means, right? Yeah, to buy it back. So in Deuteronomy 25, we read about this. If a brother dwells together, now buckle up for this, friends, okay? There's going to be a little bit of going on here. But you need to know this. If brothers dwell together, this is, again, Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. Brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son. The wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife. Everybody go... That's right. You're, you're picturing right now marrying your husband's brother. <laughs> I'm not looking for your responses, friends, lest I see somebody go. <laughs> Melanie can't read this. She's like, no, this surely can't be the word of God. And yet it is. And so her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. 
and the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of the dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And if the man does not wish, if the man, listen carefully, does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate of the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel, and he will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, pull off his sandal, pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. This is the word of God instructing. This is how the man who refuses to do this thing should be treated. Now, friends, just by way of um, remembrance here, we're studying the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, which was directed to the nation of Israel, not the church, Not every promise in the Bible is for us. It is for us to learn more about God. So what's the deal with this thing anyway? Because this just seems kind of gross. I mean, there's even spitting in this, you know. But the Lord says, no, you take his sandal off his foot, removing it from the very ground, the promised land, and spit in his face. A great, great, great insult to the man who will not lay aside his personal feelings to do what is right. Whoa, you just saw that, didn't you? You know what they call that? Love. Lay aside your own personal feelings and do what is right. Now, this is nothing to do with the kinsman redeemer, but I thought it was interesting to share. (laughs) Well, we're going to see this put in practice in a chapter to come. wanted to introduce the concept now. And so we have this concept of a kinsman redeemer. They have to be family. Do you know who is the ultimate picture of the kinsman redeemer? We just celebrated his birthday, my friends. It is Jesus who took on flesh. We sang a song that said that he is our brother. He is part of our family. And indeed, Jesus in that relationship is our brother. But one of the reasons for the incarnation is that he would be our kinsman redeemer. That he would buy us out of the slave market and set us free. Redeeming us with his very blood, my friends. And so Ruth the Moabite, and the, uh, Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all of the harvest. And so there is the introduction of the kinsman redeemer. And Noah, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his, his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. 
and she lived with her mother-in-law. And we'll stop here, but you can keep reading. It's okay. There's no rules against that here at Family Bible Church. Always feel free to read your Bible. Friends, you wrap it up. It is this. Love the Lord your God by loving your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? The point of that parable, who is my neighbor, is this. The person who is in need. When you become aware of a need and you are able to meet it, then you must. You must. Jesus, in Matthew 25, we'll end it with this, was teaching. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all of the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then he will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my, my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? I mean, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, you did it to one of the least, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You see, when you care for someone in need, you're doing it for him. You're doing it for him. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? I mean, you were one of those creepy people, were you, with the, the long hair and the, you just looked dirty and and I just didn't want to get involved then he will say to them truly I say to you as you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to me and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life 
if you see a need and are able to meet that need, it is your responsibility before the Lord to do it. It is your responsibility. Know this, my friends, that the way you treat others is evidence to the world what kind of God you serve. Is your God a God of love? A God who cares about other people? What are you teaching in your life, friends? Open your eyes, open your hearts. It just might change a life. Father, help us. This is hard teaching. But it's something we've got to hear. Thank you that in your word it is everywhere. Reminding us that we can't possibly love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And treat our neighbors like garbage. Change us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.